Hello and welcome back to another edition of Talking Troy. This time a very somber edition of Talking Troy for two reasons. One, this is our last podcast of the year 2020. Very sad, but also USC football is currently in flames. We'll get to all that later. I'm Nathan Ackerman, an associate managing editor with an emphasis on sports, and I am joined today, as I am always, by our two co-sports editors here at the Daily Trojan, Taylor Mills and David Ramirez. David and Taylor, how are the two of you today? Um, I talked about USC football with my therapist, so she helped. We're getting better. It's going to be, yeah, this is going to be a very somber episode. I kind of hope that we can put like sad piano music to intro it. I feel like that'd be very fitting. Um, Yeah, down in the dumps. It was hard to get myself up to do this episode. Um, Really tested my my loyalty here. It's easy to to do the episodes after a win, but yeah, um, not feeling too great. Yeah, it was quite a, um, honestly, quite a predictable finish the way this season has, has gone, both in the Pac-12 college football as a whole and USC specifically. Um, in USC sports news this week, the USC women's basketball team lost 80 to 60 to number one overall Stanford. Um, not much really doing there. And then they took down Cal, who is now, I think, 0-7 on the season by a score of 77-54. to It was a three-point party for the Trojans in that game. They hit 12, including five by Jordan Sanders. Obviously, fun time for the women's basketball team. Um, and, of course, the USC football team fell to Oregon 31-24 to in the Pac-12 championship game. They got off to they 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 got into a big hole early and they couldn't quite climb themselves out of it. The cardiac kids um, luck finally ran out. So, yeah, it was it was kind of funny. On I, funny is one way you could put it, I guess. On Friday afternoon, we were like, okay, they're going to play this Pac-12 championship game. Maybe they can even make the college football playoff. But if not, like they they can get into the Fiesta Bowl. If not, maybe they'll even get into a different bowl game. And then, like twenty four hours later, they were like, yeah, our season's over. So. USC will not be playing in a bowl game this year. I want to get each of your just general takeaways and thoughts as to how that season came crashing to a halt the way it did. Um, oh man, I mean, when you win as lucky as they did this entire season, that's what's going to happen when you're in a championship game. It was a really fun squad. I love this team. I think we had some great individuals in there. Um, but it wasn't going to click, especially under the coaching staff that we currently have and the way that the program is currently structured. Um, you know, yeah, I like the first things that obviously came out after this was, you know, Clay Helton, like this is all Clay Helton's fault. Like this is it. 
But um, uh, Trojan fans are going to have to deal with the fact that he's going to have another year. You know, you don't fire a coach who went 5-1 and one in the season, who also is in the middle of a pandemic, when USC just doesn't have the money to buy him out of his contract. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really tough because, you know, these kids literally sacrificed going home and seeing their families and having a normal or even, you know, a sliver of a normal life in a pandemic in order to play football. So at the end of the day, I'm not upset that we didn't get to go to a bowl game. Um, you know, our college football playoff uh, chances were already slim to none. Um, and I think a bowl game would honestly like be a waste of effort um, for this team. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's just a very disappointing show out for their last season with a bunch of talented individuals. I don't know. I, I There's a lot of emotions, I guess. Um, but when you have a little bit of time to process um, what had happened, and I guess how the season went, um, I feel like this was, this was a long time coming. But like you sell yourself on the hope that like, oh, this team can do it, you know, like as 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 much as they dig themselves a hole, like they can do it because we've seen it. But like in terms of a practical sense of like how to win a football game, like there was just there was just no way they deserved to win most of the games they did. And this game, they didn't deserve to win. There was plenty of chances. Like, you look at the scoreline, you're like, ah, it was there. Like, I didn't really think it was there. I think Oregon had plenty of chances to put them away. I think if Shuck was, like, throwing them, if they had any faith in him, I think they could have put the game away. Like, they would have let him throw the ball. Like, I don't know. I just, um, you can get away with it against teams like um, like Arizona and UCLA because they can't really put you away. They can't really run the ball when they need to. They, they leave the door open. But a team like Oregon, they have way too much talent. They're always going to... Um, go for the jugular, I guess you can say. I don't know. My point is, um, it's disappointing, but I think it was a long time coming. And as for the future, I, I don't know. <laughs> we, we can get on that. Uh, I think that's a whole other tangent I'll go on. So I'll just, I'll just stop it there. <laughs> I, I want to talk about, Taylor, what you said a couple minutes ago, which is that they were not going to win every game like this, and they weren't going to do it again. And I think, look, I, I wrote my column about this in the Daily Trojan this week. The cardiac kids thing was fun. The whole late comebacks thing was fun, but that was mostly because this is a weird season. You're playing six regular season games, five regular season games, you know, honestly, championships, titles, whatever conference championships, all that doesn't really mean a whole lot this season. So I think it wasn't the worst thing in the world to have a little fun every now and then. But once that luck ran out, it was like, okay, where's this program and where do they need to be? And you kind of realize that there's a big disconnect there. And I, I'm not, I don't, I, I don't want to pin that loss solely on Clay Helton. Cause I think it's not entirely his fault. I mean, Keaton Slovis looked terrible, like worse than he did in the first two weeks of this, this year. Um, and he didn't look all that great. Those two weeks, he had just some head scratching mistakes. That wasn't just, you know, inaccurate passing or like oh he made a physical error but like mental mistakes like especially the one that hurt the most the one that I'm sure he lost some sleep over I'm sure many Trojan fans did is the one that he tried to throw away in the fourth quarter and he just didn't get it far enough out of bounds the guy made that toe tap interception and that pretty much sealed things so they didn't play a great game the offensive line was terrible it got manhandled by Oregon's front seven um and, you know, again, the story is the run game. They ran the ball 65 yards on 25 attempts between step and car. So obviously they didn't play a very great game there. But I don't know. It just seems to me like USC, at least in the three years that I've been at this school, they haven't won big games. They haven't won any. They didn't get it done. They didn't get it done again this year. The Pac-12 is the weakest 
that it's been in years and it's pretty bad in most years. This is probably the most talented USC team in three years. This is probably the least talented Oregon team in three years. And honestly, USC's path to a championship game this year was kind of a cakewalk, especially with not having to play Colorado. And they still didn't get it done. And at, at, at what point to me do you say, this is not happening? We're not going to get where we need to be unless we make a change. We can be good, but we're not going to be great. And we're certainly not going to be elite. That's that, that was kind of my lasting impression. And I get that they went five and one. I get that it's hard to fire a coach now. But at some point, you know, you wonder how much longer you can settle for mediocrity. Especially with a lineup like this, um, with such amazing individuals not performing well together, that is a sign that it's the program's fault or the coaching's fault, um, not the actual recruiting class. Um, I do agree with you that this is an incredibly concerning trend for the Trojans, especially like how many years going on since a true championship. It's been, I think, since 2017 now, um, where there's been a notable win against a team that maybe, you know, is notable of like the college football playoffs. Um, That should be really concerning. The fact that like the Trojan brand is like certainly fading away from that possibility of being heralded among, you know, the Ohio State's. Um, and you know, then even like Notre Dame and all those other names that we love to put ourselves up against, but we can't really anymore in modern times. Um, so yeah, like if I'm a Trojan fan, well, I am, but (laughs) you know, if I'm like a diehard alum, I would be very concerned right now. And not just because of the hysteria of, oh, we lost the Pac-12 championship this year. No, this has been a very long trend. Um, and the number of chances that we have to reclaim that name are kind of slipping away. Right. As soon as your brand starts to, I guess, degrade in value, then you're going to lose those recruits and then it's just a downward spiral. Um, so, yeah, I'd, for next year, that's a very good question I want to talk to you guys about, too, because, you know, this pandemic isn't going anywhere soon, I don't believe. And I think, you know, we still could see some instability, uh, you know, on the drafting front. And I'm wondering, you know, like, will this squad be any better? Will we which losses do you think are going to hit us the most? Um, and do you think that we can actually make the change necessary to actually win a championship next year with the squad? I mean, <laughs> it's a, it's a lot to unpack. Um, I mean, with Pelton, I'll say this, um, I think when they hired him, he was the perfect hire for what they needed at the time. I mean, if you think back to when USC hired Clay Helton, it was, the program was a laughing stock. um, that they were coming off. They had just gotten absolutely shelled with sanctions by the NCAA. They had a ton of wins removed, they had scholarships reduced, they had a postseason ban, um, and then they go into this Arkeesian era and everything happens with him and the, the video with the boosters, like it was it was a bad, it was really bad, it was messy. They were losing a lot of recruits, it was bad. So Helton comes in, he stabilizes things, he's not gonna get you to where you need to be, but he gives you stability, he gives you whatever you wanna call it, mediocrity, he makes the program no longer a laughing stock, which I think he was great for that and he filled that role perfectly. He got USC back to where they needed to be, Got him. we want him a Rose Bowl. And I think it would have been perfect to part ways and accept that it was a success, but they instead they've tried to hold on to it. They've tried to build upon it and make him into something he's not. And I think they're seeing the ramifications of that decision now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think USC back back in back in the day, um, losing like one, two, three games at USC was a huge deal. Every loss felt like a huge deal. Now it feels normal to lose four or five. He lost seven games like two years ago. Like I just. <laughs> 
I don't know, compared to maybe it's we just have to make a decision of what we want the brand to be. Um, if you want to continue to be that national powerhouse, obviously he's not the guy. But if you just want to stay out of embarrassing headlines and keep your program afloat, then maybe he is the guy. It depends what, what the athletic department wants. It depends what the boosters want. So, I mean, it's, that's really what it comes down to. As far as next year goes, I mean, losing Talanoa Hufunga is going to sting. That guy, he was named Pac-12. We're, we're recording this on Tuesday, December 22nd. He was named Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year earlier today. Um, one of five Trojans on the All-Pac-12 first team. And that guy, you put him at safety. You put him at linebacker. He had some plays where he was like an edge rusher, and he got tackles for loss or sacks or stuff, guys, in the in the, in the the backfield. I mean, he's one of the most talented. I think he's one of the more underappreciated people on this team in the last several years and i saw a tweet a couple days ago that was like we need to start having the troy palomalu talanoa hufunga conversation and i don't think the two should necessarily be like compared because they were different players but i i i think hufunga should be talked about in that same light and i think that losing him is going to be a huge blow for the defense and then on the offensive side uh elijah vera tucker losing him is going to hurt and you know we saw he was obviously a great left guard in his, I guess, sophomore season. And then he moved to left tackle this year and he was awesome. Again, he didn't have a great game against Oregon, against Kayvon Thibodeau. But, you know, other than that, and, you know, there was some questionable play calling on the offensive side there. So I won't put that entirely on on him. But other than that, he's really been the rock of this offensive line that hasn't been that good as, as a whole. So when you lose him, you have a kind of shaky group getting a whole lot shakier. Um, I'm kind of worried about that. I think Amon Ross St. Brown stays, but you're going to lose Tyler Vaughn's. So the receiving court, I mean, it seems like these days they can lose whoever they want there and they'll still be like just as good next year. Cause you know, Bryant's going to have a larger role. Brew McCoy is going to have a larger role. We saw they can both, especially brew. We saw this year can be awesome. So I'm not terribly worried about that skill position wise. Um, I would say losing Vivai Malapaya is going to hurt. But like USC doesn't run the ball. I think honestly, my number one bucket list for this offseason is just take the air raid and fire it straight into the sun. Like I'm done with it. Just ditch the whole concept. It doesn't work here. Um, especially if Keaton Slovis is going to be more like sophomore year than freshman year. I hate to say it, but I am kind of worried about that position for next year. I think he'll be fine. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I, he's definitely a good guy to have there, but um you know we were kind of thinking Heisman from him this season and that obviously didn't really happen so yeah they're they're losing a lot of guys on both sides of the ball and the recruiting class is better than it's been in previous years but still not quite up to USC's standard um it's just a lot of unknowns for me next year I think they play like BYU they played uh Notre Dame again they actually miss Oregon and Washington in the regular season but you know, you have teams like Arizona State, UCLA, Colorado that are on the rise. I could see them going eight and four, seven and five again. It's just, man, I, I thought this was going to be the year. And I think they had the talent to make it the year. Um, it wasn't the year. And I mean, I, I look, they might be just as talented next year, but the coaching staff is going to have to take a long look on the mirror and try to figure out the identity of this program, because I feel like that identity has been lost. Um, for two or three years now. 
Yeah, um, I don't know how many reconstruction years or reconfiguring years we can take. Um, at the end of the day, like those should build up to something. Um, and what's been built up for the past, arguably, decade um, has been nothing but disappointment. Uh, so, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm on the same wavelength as you. You kind of see that like hope dimming which is very dark and I feel like this is like a very therapeutic session that we're having of like you know like <laughs> exposing some of our deepest fears about this program um but you know I, I I'm I don't know it's Mike Bone is still pretty young as the USC athletic director uh you know I think there is a chance that the Trojan brand could still hold on I don't know you, you need the drought sometimes and I think we're just in the middle of that uh but you know yeah yeah <laughs> well this is this is this is one thing on, on on the whole Trojan brand note too I think Mario Cristobal was in a press conference yesterday and he was like you build programs by going out and showing that you've improved on the field not making you know hype edit videos and like tweeting about it and it was just such a direct it was as direct as a subtweet can possibly get but that's honestly true like the whole boulevard studios thing all the marketing all the branding it's fine but it looks a whole lot better when you win games and usc is going to have to figure out how to how to win games or else that all that other stuff um looks like a program trying to create hype when it can't do so on the gridiron Agreed. Agreed. And I'll just say this, a quick note about um, the running game, because it bothers me. Um, I think when Graham Harrell first got hired, or I guess Cliff Kingsbury first got hired, and there was the transition to the air, air raid was going to be made. Uh, there was a lot of like old heads who were like, this is not USC. USC is like, get an eye formation pro style. We run the ball down your throat. And like, I was just so annoyed by that. Cause like, that's not football nowadays, you know, like you're not going to run the ball first and second down and throw it on third down. Like, that's just not what football is like embrace change. But like, you have to be able to run the ball better than USC has been running the ball. Like, like 20 attempts for 60 yards like that, that, that just like, like it just, if you're going to devote however many plays you are going to devote to the run game, you have to get more than 60 yards from it. Like, it's just, I don't know. I'm not fully in, in on the, like get back and power football, but at the same time, it's like, we have to be able to have a respectable run game. And that just hasn't been there the last couple of years. Yeah. I have two more quick topics that I want to touch on before we, we wrap up here. I guess the first one is I want to just ask you to um, as short an answer as you feel necessary. Was this season a failure? I'll start if I must. Yes, because they did not look like a five and O team through the first five games. They pulled, you know, some of those games out of the rabbit hat or, you know, and then they should have, as I said, coasted to a pac 12 championship this year. And they didn't do that. Um, I thought this was a year where they could prove that they were close to taking that next step. seems like they're a little bit further away than they could have been. Um, my first answer in my head was no, because I had that number five followed by the number one in my head. And I had the context of like, oh, we're in a pandemic. And these kids really did this in the middle of that. But then um, you realize what sticks with you is those final losses and that like final result, um, which ultimately ended up being a huge just disappointment not even just like a disappointment it was a pretty embarrassing one um that could have been prevented um that just showed how we were out coached we were outmanned we were outplanned and i think that's going to haunt us just as it did in the bowl last year um so yeah it was a failure <laughs> um yeah my instinct was um 
no season wasn't a failure because like they make one or two plays in the Oregon game and they're six and oh and they're going to the Fiesta Bowl and we're talking about how what a great season this was so I think you have to keep the fine margins in mind but at the same time like national championship aspirations aside Rose Bowl aspirations aside I think like bare minimum I mean maybe I'm this is the old head USC fan talking about bare minimum I feel like you have to win the Pac-12 in order to consider it a successful season at USC otherwise like what is your program even trying to attain if you call it winning nothing a successful season so yeah I don't think it was a successful season because they didn't win the conference they didn't win a bowl game so like what what was the success winning a few games against conference opponents I mean if that's the bar now then oh god that's another discussion uh okay last topic so we entered the final week of our little editor picks Twitter polls thing. We had the fans in the lead at 15 of 25, Taylor in second with 13, and David in third at 11. But in the final week, David surged. And the final standings was David and the fans tied at 17, Taylor at 16. We don't need to talk about my score, but Taylor, I want to go to you first. What happened? And tell me about your reaction when you entered the final week with a chance to take this and you ended up with a measly bronze medal. I didn't know we were going to talk about this today. Uh, this, I feel like, is what the players feel like when they just lost the Super Bowl and they have the mic shoved in their face and they're like, what's going through your mind? I'm literally so humiliated and like this is the last thing that I want to talk about. Because um, honestly, throughout this entire year, that was probably the biggest L I took. Uh, it was literally, I, I attribute that it could have been a three-way tie, but the only reason I'm 16 out of 35 is, is because I had a change of heart for USC, um, at last minute. I said on this podcast that I believed Oregon would win and then I changed my answer and I regret that so much. So, you know what, if I get docked for being, for being hopeful for USC, then you know what, that's fine. A medal's a medal anyway. So yeah, just hurt just stings feel attacked right now david david victory speech um i'm kind of pissed at myself because i think i finished tied with the fans and i knew in my heart of hearts that oregon was going to win that game but i got caught drinking uh what do they say drinking the i don't know what, I'm, what the phrase is i got caught up in the hype and i was like oh i don't know like maybe they can do this and i picked usc to win the game and they lost and i'm kind of frustrated about that but just in terms of beating you two um yeah it feels great you know <laughs> like I, I don't really know what else to say like it's like i could take my victory lap i guess yeah, you both can relish in the fact of beating me. I was um, far down on that list, but oh well. We turn the page, we move on, it doesn't matter. That is going to do it for this edition of Talk and Troy. As I said, the final 2020 edition of Talk and Troy. Thank you so much to everybody for tuning in along the way. It's been a pleasure to speak to you every single week. Um, thank you, as always, Taylor and David for joining me on the show. Any parting words from either of you two? Don't go to plans. Don't go to gatherings. This is pretty serious. And if you're in Southern California, you literally cannot go to the hospital. That's my parting words. Um, be safe. Um, if there's anyone with any say in the, the athletic department, I'm, I'm going to keep it very professional here because I am a journalist, but I would just say um, I th it's time for a look in the mirror. That's all I'll say. Like, wh where do you want this program to be? Where do you want it to go? That's all I'll say. That's all I'm saying. Yes, I agree. Definitely time to take a look in the mirror and definitely time as always to be safe, wear a mask. As I say every single week, be smart. You all know the deal by now. Talking Troy Nation, it's been real. Signing off.